0: week's episode of Hey I Think We're Good Here. I'm one of your co-hosts Jackson Medikekia and I'm Matt West
1: and we're here getting to know the sport of volleyball through the life experiences our guests have to share with us. Come take a listen. This week's episode stars Team USA Paralympic captain James Stuck. It's a tremendous honor to have our first veteran on the podcast. On this episode James describes getting blown up in Iraq and losing his leg. Finding his passion for volleyball, moving to Oklahoma five months after starting volleyball to seek out his newfound dream and becoming a national team player, the difference between standing and sitting volleyball, the rivalry between Team USA and the Brazilians, the ways in which he finds peace of mind and success, his growth in the maturation process as an athlete and leader, and finally, his ability to move forward and just keep giving. Enjoy.
2: There
1: he is? What's going on, guys? James, it's great to see you, brother. It's
2: been a long time. It's been a long time, sir. James, this is Jackson. Jackson, this is James. How's it going, Jackson? Chilling, man. How you doing today?
0: Doing all right. Had a volleyball practice this morning. Just uh, Um, got back home. Jealous. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs)
2: <laughs> is it locked down where you are now or is everything yeah. open? It's locked down. So we just had, um, let's see, what was it? We had training camp in September. Okay. Yeah. We had training camp in September. Then we had October got canceled. November we had training camp and now December is canceled.
1: Wow. So what does <laughs> it mean? You guys, when's your guys' qualifier?
2: <laughs> February, when's hopefully. It, when is
1: it supposed in February?
2: Yeah. What's up, baby girl? Yeah, yeah February.
1: Know, do they know if it's is it gonna stay? Do they think we it's don't know?
2: Stay? So right when the pan, right when the uh, pandemic started, we were actually days from starting our qualifier. <laughs> we had so it was it's it was held here in Oklahoma, and we had I think there was four countries or five countries that were already stateside. Uh, ready to like we started practices we did a little scrimmages some just some fun stuff and then it started and boom we actually Germany landed and then we sent them home the next day
1: that's so So brutal
2: dude it it was rough but now the uh so USA Volleyball wanted they already denied the fact that we were going to be able to host it so it was like, great. Well, the one time my kids, my kids haven't, have never seen me play. And my wife, last time she saw me play was in, I think, 2010. What? Yeah. <laughs> the only time they get to see, cause none of our stuff is televised. Right. We, we get a little bit of live stream. And if, if like, even during the Rio games, we only got like little snippets, like little highlights. And that's when we got the, they my kids got to see me on tv and this like it was like the one time they're going to get to see me play but guaranteed seven games because there was eight yeah. teams guaranteed seven games they're gonna get to see me play let's just kick that crap out the window wait so
1: how do <laughs> how do qualifiers work for Paralympics? because it's obviously a little bit different from
2: like yeah so the the olympics has 16 teams right i think is uh, that right 12 four, four pools of four no now it's two
1: pools of six okay
2: oh okay um so we only have eight we have eight eight qualifying teams you have obviously the host nation and there's three opportunities to qualify there's world championships on the second year of the quad then there's your they take the top two from that then the zonal tournament, so for us, is the Pan American Games. On the third year, you, they only take the winner of that. And then there's what's called the last chance qualifier. Uh, they also call it like World Cup. There's other ones named for it. But they take the winner of that. And that is, it is such a stressful tournament because any team that hasn't qualified has the ability to go into that tournament.
1: Oh, that's a fight.
2: And they take the top one. Oh, in years past, it's so it's, cr- yeah, it's, it's so stressful. It's and like the be- dog it's, fight. Yeah. It's I, I don't like playing in the tournament, but at the same time, that's why we play sports, you know, but for man. the fight. Um, in years past, I've seen them do the tournament where it's a round Robin and then the top two teams play for the spot.
0: Okay.
2: Yeah. And then a so uh, one up. other time, one other time I've seen them do it, they the teams play and I think they put take the top four for semifinals and finals. They don't even bracket it because of how big it gets.
1: Wow. How many yeah. what's the maximum amount of teams that can enter in? An unlimited uh, amount? Or what's the most no- I've never seen? To my knowledge, um
2: 10. Okay. That's big. Yeah. It's a big one think- for one bid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then usually in most tournaments we play, so like we're, even world championships, you still have the ability that they break it up that you play every other day. Like men's, is, so men's and women's alternate days. Okay. So I believe sometimes it's crazy the scheduling. I believe they even pack it tight enough that you play every day. I'm not sure. You can't hold me to that though. Yeah,
1: that's tough. I mean, that's like World Cup for um, like indoor. It's Mm -hmm. kind of the same way. Like they play every, I think they play like a four day stretch and then they get two days and switch locations and then they play another four day stretch. And I think they end up playing, I want to say 10 matches in 13 days or something. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so by the end of it, you look at all these guys and like they don't know what's up and what's down anymore. <laughs> <laughs> For oh, real, yes. yeah, it's brutal. And you know they go like two weeks early or a week early because it's in Japan. Yeah, like, to acclimate, it's like all right, this is gonna take us some time, anyways.
2: That's the worst. Yeah, so now <clears throat> talking about the acclimation period. So now, like I said, that last chance qualifier is now going to be held. In, is I said supposed to be held in February. And it's going to be held in Germany.
1: Yeah, so so
2: who knows what's going to happen?
1: Zero advantage for you anymore.
2: Right. Well, then. Well, now the fact is, is that we've heard like if it gets qual- if it gets canceled, we're like, how's that last spot go up? Who gets it? What's goes on? And there's so much talk and so many rumors that are floating around about that as well.
1: Are that my guess.
2: Nobody knows because there's three teams. So, uh, Ukraine, US, and Germany are. Why is my? It says my internet's unstable. It's like what? I'm hardline to my internet. Whatever. Um, yeah, there's Ukraine, US, and Germany are all within like th- uh, two to three hundred points of each other. So it's like, how if they really give it up to whoever's the top team? I'm like, I understand. It sucks because everything's so close, but I don't know how it's going to go down.
1: I apologize for the stress in your life right now. And, and that's just volleyball. That's not even like family stuff.
2: Right. Yeah. And then throw three kids on top of that and trying to train when gyms go down. And then now it's now the kids are doing split scheduling. My kids go to school monday tuesday and then we homeschool wednesday thursday friday and just recently the school uh the school board went, said we are going to go completely virtual for the rest of the month Yay.
0: <laughs>
2: so yeah there you go yeah when it rains it pours yeah for real
1: <laughs> and well james man thanks thanks for coming on and welcome to the podcast officially
2: Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's an honor, man.
1: We're super stoked. And obviously, you know, my parents pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> my, my dad was like, I think since episode one, he's like, you got to get a Paralympian on, you got to get a Paralympian on. And I was like, we're going to get one on. I promise. I promise. And I was like, we're going to get James on. We're going to get James on. And then I was like, all right, I think this is the time we got to get him on because now feels like, I don't know why It just felt like a good time. That's great.
2: Delicious. Yeah, it's uh mm-hmm.
0: but, So, James, where
2: did you uh, grow
0: up and how did you get into volleyball?
2: Oh, so I grew up I grew up in Pittsburgh, or just northeast of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And I went to high school, did all that. Uh, after high school, I I actually played soccer my whole life. I played soccer for 15 years growing up. I was a goaltender and never played volleyball, which is kind of hilarious. To, understanding where I'm at now, but went into the military, did two years stateside. I deployed to Iraq in October of, what was it? October of 2005. Uh, Then two months, 23 days, short tour, got blown up and lost my right leg due to lack of circulation. So my leg was actually still connected and the bones were shattered so bad that i'm gonna pull up a picture um the bones were shattered so bad that they decided to amputate i woke up in germany i woke up in germany with my leg already gone they had taken it off in iraq
0: i don't know can you see that oh, No, I can. Oh, I can see it you can i can see so it now <laughs> yeah
2: No, it's really blurry. All right, I'll just send it over. Um, But yeah, I woke up in Germany and my leg was already amputated. From there, that's when I discovered what my new life was going to have in store for me. (laughs) Uh, Did my rehab at Walter Reed Army Medical in Washington, D.C., and that's actually where I discovered disabled sports. There were multiple clinics that provided opportunities for injured and personnel to basically get off of their butts and do something. And that's when I actually discovered sitting volleyball that I reached out to the coaching staff and the directors attended a little bit of the training camps just to see if I really liked it. And in December of the same year, I medically retired and moved to Oklahoma to train, to start training. And so that was in, what was it? 2005. So, or no, 2006. I don't know. Every year bashes together anymore. So yeah, medically retired, moved to Oklahoma, Uh, met my wife in, met my wife a couple months after, started dating, moved. uh, Well, how did it go? Got married, had two kids in Oklahoma, And then moved to Seattle or moved south of Seattle, Tacoma area in 2014. Lived there from 14 to 19. And that's where I met. Yours truly, Matt. And met his parents first. And they're a hoot. You want to meet some fun people. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to meet some fun people. But, uh, yeah, start, and that's actually, I never got introduced. I never played standing ball until I moved to Washington, Washington State. And that's where I started, started uh, playing standing and was introduced to a whole new side of volleyball that you, I didn't, so I was like, oh, these people play standing. I was like, it's so cool. And I was like, I play sitting on my butt, you know, <laughs> but
1: do you, do you remember what your first day in the gym one, like going back when you first got into the gym, how hard was it to get off your ass and go do something? And then, ah. and then two, was it like, I, I would just, I would suspect that one, it was like infuriating because as an athlete, you're like, you're, you get used to being really good at stuff. And then when you're not, it's like, oh man, this sucks. But at the same time, it's kind of fun because it's something new that you get to learn.
2: So yeah, that's more along the lines of the way I looked at it is the fact that it was fun and a new, a new way, a new way to look at life, a new way. You just got those pictures
1: Got the pictures.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Feel free. Um, yeah, it's, it's a new way to look at things and right from the get go, you know, I woke up in Germany and my leg, when I, when the doctors told me what had happened, my first question to them was, do I still have my right leg? And it was kind of weird because I don't remember anything from the time I got injured to the time I woke up in Germany I don't remember anything, but apparently my body and I knew what was going on. And when they told me no, that it had been amputated, it was like, it was the hardest I've ever cried about Uh my, it was specifically about my injury and about anything really sad in my life. I mean, the only other instance where I may have been more down is when my dad passed away, but that's, I mean, that's understandable. Yeah. I lose my right I lose my right foot as the hardest I've ever cried, saddest I've ever been. But shortly after that it was a quick turnaround. I was like, okay, what do I gotta do? Because I'm not being a bum. I'm not being a statistic. How do I accept, how do I look past this and get to be at a new point in my life where I'm physically able to do new things? So when I started playing when I started playing sit and volleyball, it was It was very interesting, the concepts, the concepts of how to play and how to move and the new challenges that were the new challenges that that sport in itself just presented. And I really gravitated towards it because like I stated earlier, I played soccer for so many years and I was a goaltender. So tracking a ball, understanding the physics behind how a ball can move was kind was a little bit more natural and volleyball allowed that outlet for me. (laughs) sorry if my, my i think my kids are gonna start migrating up here <laughs> so get ready for this so hey, yeah anybody. there's one here hey hey hey, you say hi? hey yeah. bud you wanna say hi, hi. <laughs> so yeah oh, there we go but um oh you gonna go play oh night night time okay night night papa Night-night, daddy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sorry about that, so yeah, so understanding how the ball moves and different things of that nature was familiar ground, but the challenges of playing the sport and something that I knew I could compete at and do was always what always what I wanted to do, and that's how that's kind of how everything started to develop with me and then once I started learning it, it's like, okay, how can I push to be better? How can I how can I challenge not myself, but how can I challenge my sport? What can I? How how far can I bend these rules, and how how far can I take them, and how far can I actually go to get better at my sport, make my sport better, and at the same time continue to always challenge myself?
1: It's uh, a pretty quick move. So, what you played? How long did you play sitting volleyball before you made the active decision to move to Oklahoma?
0: Months. Fully, I played
1: fully immerse yourself in it. That's a huge, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a huge decision to make. Cause what it are was, you like 20
2: at that time? Let's see. I got blown up when I was 21. I got blown up two weeks before I turned 22.
1: Okay.
2: So 22 going on 23. I, uh, and then you figure that whole year of 2006 is when, right. yeah, let's see. I was blown up in 05. Yeah. So I'm medically retired in 05. Yeah. So the 2005 during that whole time I played, I mean, I did track and field. I did table tennis. I did volleyball. I did swimming. I snowboarded. I skied probably missing some other stuff, but Oh, the kayaking. But yeah, I did a whole bunch of stuff to try to figure out my new place in the world and my new purpose. And when I committed to, when I started playing them, I slowly obviously started figuring out what I liked, what I didn't, but I had played, I think I've been to like three or four training camps. And when I, after I medically retired, decided like, cool, let's give this a whirl, you know, young, no kids, just, it was fun and I can make a living at it and housing. The nice thing was, is whenever I moved, there was uh, housing already set up so i they i would just live on uh, excuse me on athlete housing and live at the facility and just play so that's what was really nice about it
1: it's like being in a dorm with all your friends again you're just like well i just get to hang out and play volleyball today exactly
2: (laughs) go to the gym play volleyball lift cool we're gonna go eat all right weekend comes around what do i gotta do well
0: Nothing.
1: Yeah, <laughs> like,
2: hang out with the boys.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a sweet life. Do yeah. you remember what, like, do you remember the moment or like what happened when you're like, okay, I'm in it. I like this sport. I want to keep doing this. Hmm. The actual moment. Like, no, it separated was... it from kayaking and skiing and snowboarding and all that stuff.
2: It wasn't. I don't think it was an actual moment. It was definitely a series of moments and none of them involved me. Okay. Every, all the moments involved somebody else because obviously when you step into something new, you suck. It's a, it's a layman's terms, you suck. So I would see the other guys play or I would be on the receiving end of severe punishment and... Like, oh, okay, I get that next time. All right, cool. Oh, that's how that's supposed to work. That's really cool. And then it was like said, it's a culmination of things. And then when you go internationally and play, and you're like, oh, I really suck compared to the rest of them. And then you're just getting smoked. And it, like I said, it was always, and it, I do my best to continually make it a constant challenge to never be satisfied, never be yeah. complacent and content because there's always that limit I was listening to. So I listened to some motivational speeches and some different things. I've tried to incorporate that like into my workouts and stuff now for during my warm up. I think it was Matthew McConaughey, put it perfect, put it perfectly. He had what during his time, during his upbringing, he talked to somebody and they says, who's, who's your idol? Who do you idolize? He's, and he even told- talked
1: about this. We talked about this last week, actually. Oh, really? Yeah.
2: Me, me in 10 years? Yeah, yeah. No, but keep yeah. going because I love yeah. it. I so, right. yeah, he talks about it and he says, he tells the guy, he says, you know, give me some time to think. He says, so he comes back two weeks later and he says, he says, all right, if you figure out, who's your, who's your idol? Who do you, who do you put on that pedestal? And he says, me in 10 years. He says, okay. So he's 21 at this time. He comes back. He said, he's 25 when he comes back and says, oh, so it's 10 years later, have you, you hit that spot? You idolize yourself now? No, it's still me in 10 years. So he comes back and he continues and later he puts it, he says he continually puts himself, he's always idolizing himself 10 years from now because of the growth and the way he puts himself up because he's never technically achieving, never achieving it, but he's always looking forward to moving better, moving himself in the right direction and continually pushing himself harder and stronger. To make himself better, so yeah. that's one thing that I always reson- resonated with me when I heard it, and I'm like, "Oh, this is great, you know." Let's uh, chase. yeah, yeah, always, because you're eventually, you're eventually gonna catch the people if you push hard enough that you idolize. But if you put yourself, <clears throat> if you put yourself in that position, cool. I idolize my, let's say, I idolize myself next year because 2020 sucks, so. I analyzed 2021, James. Okay, cool. Did you hit that spot? No, I analyzed 2022. So, and you're constantly pushing yourself to be better. Yeah. And like I said, it goes back to growing the sport, growing yourself, and how can you always make yourself better? Everybody's gonna have setbacks, but let's take my leg for instance. Everybody has a setback. Mine at that time was my leg. How are you going to get up from it? How are you gonna bounce back from it? and that's what separates that's what separates mediocres from the best
1: for sure my dad i was just talking to him right before this just to check in on everything and he brought up the guy by the name of Kent Steffes Jackson knows who Kent Steffes is he was a i don't know if you do he won the gold medal in 96 with Karch and Sand okay and uh So my dad was like, man, he's hilarious on Facebook. You know, he's great. Like, I just listen to everything that he has to say. Plus, he's got a gold medal, so why not? He was talking (laughs) about the difference between achievements and success. And how those two at times coincide, but they're not the same thing. Right. Right. So he was saying, like, the way that Kent obviously describes success is similar to uh, John Wooden, it's like peace of mind and knowing you did your best and what you were, yeah. doing, you know. And he's like, and your achievements are just like a part of that. Yep. You know, so like, I'm guessing That's that. Right you know, there.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just achievements. Just They're on that one. Oh, That's yeah.
1: Yeah. So then That's it's dope. like, yeah. So then it's like, I'm guessing you're along those same lines. Yeah. Of like, all right, like, I'm just going to go out and
2: whatever happens, happens today. Yeah yeah just continue to push continue to strive and things happen they happen they don't they don't but i mean how do you how do you react when how do you push when an immovable object how hard do you push are you going to just push and be like, oh i can't move this or are you going to keep trying you keep banging your head against that rock until it moves or you should be like no i've 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 expen- i've expended enough energy i'm done
0: Going back to kind of the beginning more so, what made you want to join the military? I mean, that was a gnarly time in our country yeah. to join the military. Um, and yeah, just kind of where were you at in life and why would you make that choice?
2: Um, I, didn't, I, don't, I never wanted to become a local. So I, had a small, I grew up in a small town, love my town, things happen. But my big thing was is I wanted to do something. Uh, Whether it impacted the world, I mean, do something great and you, you know, save the president, but you impact the world or you just do something to break the mold. And I wanted to, I grew up in a small town, pretty much everybody knows everybody, or if not, word gets around. I wanted to remove myself from that and put myself in a bigger picture and do something. And I always felt like I needed to go experience, go to the, go out and have fun. I mean, yeah, it was gnarly, it was pretty crazy, but it's, I mean, you ju- I just accepted it. It, was, it is what it is, and it's like this COVID time. I mean, it's part of our, it's part of our history. So during that specific moments, in those times, I wanted to play an active role as much as possible in that, to be like, yes, I did what I did. I did. I tried to help. I tried to be the best, be the best I could for my country, but also be the best that I could for myself because as I'm sure you guys probably fall in the same boat. It was like, if I know, I don't ever want to leave something on the table. I'd be like, yeah, I tried, but really how hard did you try? Like, well, Nope. Signed up, signed a blank check for my life gave it to the country says here let's do it and it's like i could i was like i don't regret a moment i don't regret anything i wouldn't i mean it's crazy to say but like i wouldn't give it back for my like
0: were you uh planning on being a career guy in the military like full 20 years
2: yeah nice yeah because it was it was fun i mean i got paid to shoot guns and blow shit up (laughs) i mean it's like how cool is this? You know, yeah. hey, from time to time you fight like physically fight, you'd practice and you'd beat your friends up for fun. Your friends would beat you up and it's all fun. And then you go have a beer afterwards. It's like, Oh, okay, cool. And then we turn around and go clean our guns sit together or something. I mean, it was freaking awesome. I loved it. <laughs> and the only thing I mean, minus the fa- oh, excuse me, Minus the fam- minus my family life and everything is like, I have currently, I would give everything back to go back in because after I medically retired, I realized civilian life wasn't what I wanted. So I tried to get back in, but due to my amputation, after you sign your paperwork to get out, they treat you as if you're trying to get in for the first time. So that was the road bump that I ran into and I did what I did with everything. I just kind of pushed all my chips in and said, all right, you know what? I'm not willing to tank six, eight, 12 months of my life to try to get back in when it might not even happen and waste that much time. I'm going to fully devote everything I got to volleyball. This is what, this is my new career path. This is my new choice that I'm going to do. And yeah, I fully devoted everything literally devoted my entire life so far to volleyball
0: and how do you make a living off of I mean right people don't know how to make a living off it in the states being a standing volleyball player but how do you make a living off of it where you're at now I still have no idea It's a great question (laughs) Um, um yeah I
2: well obviously because I lost my leg uh, I'm with through the military. So that's the big, that's a big portion of how, how I'm able to do it because numbers all aside, it was like, I collect my military disability and the health healthcare and everything through the military is a little bit more affordable because they, there's a lot of veterans out there, bless their hearts that are not able to hold jobs because whether it's physical physical capabilities or, uh, I'm very fortunate, no mental, mental PTSD, different things of that nature. So the healthcare healthcare for myself and my family has been really good. Prosthetics have been really good for me. So that's kind that. I mean, that's like that, that's that sponsors different little things along the lines. And my wife is very good at money managing. I got to say that because i <laughs> if it were me, I'd have new Xbox, the new Xbox X, the PS5, big screen. I'm like, oh, no, it's money. Yeah. <laughs> My wife's like, honey, we have bills. Oh, that's right. You got to pay those. <laughs> it's frowned upon if you don't. So. Gotcha. Yeah, that's, uh, that's like I said, and. Learn grown up, you know, I was injured when I was 22, 36 now. Jeez, I'm old, but yeah, I mean, I have the I'm very fortunate that sitting volleyball is the longevity, gives possibilities of me still playing. It's till I'm in my 50s, so that's well gnarly. Yeah, we retired, we (laughs) retired two guys in. 2018 one was 52 one was 51 yeah yeah and we have some guys our youngest we have one one guy on our team right now who turns 21 in february or march and our oldest i think is pushing 50 or is in his late 40s not really sure but we have multiple dudes are up there
0: with the members on your team is it common for people to not have a volleyball background as no, a
2: we have one we really? have one player that had that started i believe started with volleyball everybody else is a i guess a vo- volleyball byproduct <laughs> we all gravitated towards the sport none of us started with volleyball like ah, yeah But think we have six so bring you into the loop. I think we have six veterans on the team, six or seven veterans on the team, and so yeah, we have a traveling roster of twelve right now. We're the whole COVID thing, so that's that's uh, hindering hindering travel for training camps. So, but we usually have somewhere between thirteen and I think eighteen. They come to training camps. And somewhere between, of that 18, we'll pick, they pick 12 to travel. But of that 18, I think we have, I think eight, seven or eight, about 50% veterans.
1: Wow. Yeah.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, we're trying to find more. We need more. We need, so these other countries, they have like, they have their clubs and their other sitting volleyball stuff which is crazy to think of, but they just have, they make a bigger push. Uh, For instance, Bosnia, they have, they have a sitting volleyball league, like almost like we have standing. And I'm like, how do you, you guys, so you guys field like six, seven teams. And I'm like, they have tournaments, they have practices and all this other stuff. And I'm like, that's phenomenal.
1: I heard there's some pretty like sketchy stuff that goes on in the world of sitting volleyball in terms of guys like, like my dad was telling me that Brazil, they like have like a, some like knee problem, I and mean, they'll register them as like disabled, and then they, I, like they had I'm serious, and they've had these like gnarly volleyball backgrounds, and they're like oh my knees all like messed up or whatever. It's like all right, you're a Paralympian now. It's
2: <laughs> <laughs> so the best way to the best way to put this is the fact right. that. If you have an injury, try out. Leave it to leave it to the people that decide. They inspect your injuries and they check out your medical background to see if you qualify for the teams. Leave it to them to say no.
1: Probably not going to. <laughs> some, of them,
2: some of them, yes. Some of them no. Well, they constantly are they're constantly trying to change the rules to make it fair. Because What you said does does happen. I'm not the one to make the calls. I just play the sport. (laughs) And yeah, but Brazil Brazil's had some great players. Not taking anything from them. They've had some great players come out and play. Uh. They've uh, yeah, was it World Para Volley has recently changed some. They've um, become more. They've become tighter on their lower. Lower extremity injuries, so for instance, ACL tears, ankle injuries, fused ankles, different things. They've become a little bit tighter on that, and because we don't need our lower body as much as we need our upper body to play with sitting volleyball, okay. and they've be, and they've loosened up a little more on the upper body uh, physical physical disabilities. So, that's uh, probably the best way people can get classed out. Is if they have a lower injury they used to be for instance our team with our team we have a gentleman named Eric Duda he is missing a majority of his left hand he used to be a minimal they used to consider him minimal and now they with the new rules and everything they've changed that over to a, uh, a permanent is what they call us so it's not like any of our disabilities are growing back but they uh yeah, they changed that for him, which is great because with City Volleyball, you're only allowed one minimal on the court and two minimals on the roster. Oh wow. Yeah. So well, it's I mean, that's the best way to bend the rules, break the rules, is get six minimals on the court. You know? You're always looking ways to if you're not cheating, you're not trying, is the best way to put it. <laughs> I mean Hell, Matt. That's why I tried to recruit you for my freaking nationals team, my sitting oh, team. I'm in, dude. I'll do I it. yeah. I got well,
0: one.
2: I got no for for nationals. You there's no no requirements. The only requirements is you're only allowed three national players per team.
1: Okay. What is that? Because what? What is national players?
2: Sitting national players. Okay. 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 Yeah. If we filled it a roster of six national we would put, I would take my whole starting lineup.
1: That's nice T- T- of oh. <laughs> you.
2: You should have seen my team. I was, I was, I'm six, five and I wasn't the tallest on my team for sitting yeah. volleyball.
1: Isn't, it, was it, is it a Ron that has that guy? That's like two meters 20.
2: Yeah. He stands at eight foot one.
1: What? Yeah. Word. It's like faces above the net blocking.
2: <laughs> oh, it, it is. Yeah. You just, just hit him in the head? He sits. So from his butt, uh, his, yeah, you can. Yeah, he ducks. He He blocks like this. But um, his sitting reach from his butt to his fingertips, I believe, is like right about six foot.
1: No way. <laughs> yeah. Did I play it? Have you ever played sitting volley, Jackie? I never have. Dude, it's so, I was like, this is going to be. Like, this is a breeze, dude. I'm just gonna yeah, like, walk fun. out <laughs> down the line. No worries. And then, little do you know, like, they just stand there, and then it's just like, and I was like, I'm getting Kong blocked over and over and over again. And you can't, because what's the rule? Like, your butt can't come off.
2: Right. That's so the main differences between the rules are, well, obviously the net's lower the court's smaller somewhere between your butt and your shoulders has to be on the ground and you're allowed to block the serve those are the main differences the reason why is because the net's lower we still get guys that can crank the ball 50 mid 50 mile an hour and keep it in surprisingly but with the block there with the block there it creates so much more of like a chess match and just allows for a little bit more control coming from the servers rather than just going back there and tattooing the ball
1: it's sick though because i started like analyzing it more once my dad started getting into it and i was just so curious about sitting volleyball in general so i was watching i think bosnia and brazil playing against one another And because my dad was like, they run plays, Matt, like middles run routes. Mm -hmm. Like, what do you mean they run? I was like, what, like, they're just, what do you mean? Like, how are they running routes? Like, how are they running quick balls and stuff? And like, you see them cutting and stuff. Why is it so sick? That guy's huge.
2: Those, their team is all above six foot. They're six footers.
1: And that guy's just. There he goes.
2: Yeah.
0: (laughs) He's a ringer.
2: Oh, he is, yeah.
0: Definition of a ringer.
2: Yeah, he is the game changer.
1: The X Factor out there.
2: The X Factor, that's what I was looking for.
1: (laughs) Dude, it's gnarly. Like, City Volk is sick. It's It's super fun to watch. And their celebrations are sick, because you see guys with one leg, like, stand up, and they're, like, start jumping around, and you're like, let's go get it.
2: where is he? There.
1: Jeez.
2: And he's leaning.
1: That guy's a monster.
2: He is the X factor. Yeah. He, you can put him on just about any team and you, it's, they don't disguise his sets at all. They just take it and just, you know, it's like a 12 foot set for a sitting player and they just sit there and they're like, ah, oh, crap, here it comes.
1: Yeah. Does he like, does he just go over people? That's cool.
2: Yeah. Your defense usually consists of, I mean, sometimes you'll just starfish. You just lay, lay down on the ground and just do this and like, hit me. Just hit me. <laughs> <laughs> so it's up!
1: Surface <laughs> equals control.
2: Yeah. You don't, yeah. You can't press block. You can't press block with him because he's just going to hit, pretty much come down over your block and hit you in the head. You just kind of just soft, put your hands up and soft block and hopefully get a high bounce off of it. And he's continually getting better too.
1: For sure. What okay, could you describe like because you said it's a chess match and as a setter, I'm like really curious as just okay. Just take me through like serve receive. Cause you were a setter for a couple years, right? Still do. Still. And because mm-hmm. you were setter and middle blocker. Now you're back to setter. <laughs> no, still setter and middle blocker. Setter and that's, middle blocker, that's right. Yeah. So then okay, just take me through like running a side out. Cause like the way you're organizing it is obviously a
2: little bit different. So, well, similar, yeah. Uh, so, if the setter's in zone one or zone zone six, we'll push them up. Okay. We'll push them up, obviously behind the blocker, and we still pass the target like normal. Um, as far as the way the sets go, it, none of our stuff is really loopy. As far if it's in system, they're going to be quicker sets because. Way to think about it also is you're trying to, you're, you have to beat the block because our blocks go up, but our blocks never come down. Like standing, block goes up, block goes down. So you can set a loopy ball and if somebody mistimes times it, you just detonate on them. Yeah. No, our, our block goes up and it doesn't move. It stays there. So you're trying to give the hitters the best opportunity to hit seams and get blocks to lean and fall over. So we'll still run, we'll still run our huts and our goes to the outside. Uh, hut is pretty much about antenna height for us. And it goes obviously quicker. Then we'll still run our threes for the middle blockers. Threes and ones. The big thing for our ones is it's, we can almost run a zero tempo ball out of the middle to where, I mean, it's out of the setter's hands for a split second before it's hit just to beat the block yeah and then behind us we'll run five well fives and fives and threes or fives and nines we call them so five is antenna height behind us and nine is a back go there's other sets in between there that we've run with other hitters but we run back row attacks as well if usually when the setters when the setter is right front okay setters in zone two We'll run, We can. We have. we we'll still have back row hitters as well, that we'll be more in system. We will run.
0: What's the most valuable position? Like, if you had to start a team with your first draft pick, will be this position?
2: A multi-dimensional player. So <laughs> I'm dead serious.
0: What is a- that? So what is
1: that like? A what does that mean? Because in my my terms, that's like a five-tooled athlete.
2: You want a player that's going to be able to pass. Like, obviously, defense wins games. We all know this. Offense is – and detonating balls on people is fun. But if you can't get somebody to pass the ball, then you're SOL. So I would prefer to get somebody that can decently set, just put up a hittable ball. They can hit pretty good, but pass the best and read the read the game the best
1: do so you want a receiver you want yeah a, you want to know you don't
2: but I don't want a libero i'll take a libero's like second or third, depending on who would be left so if i had a,
0: who can pass well
2: yeah you want to know too oh sorry. Sorry, my family just all came upstairs. There came there we
0: go. Focus. Want,
1: yeah, um, they can receive and they can do everything else.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that's that's definitely who I'm gonna pick. I got a couple players that I would pick, <laughs> but um, blocking's nice. Blocking, man. If you can't, yeah, if you can't get, if you can get a player that can put up the double block every time, somebody out of the middle that's quick, that helps your defense out a ton so that helps that's uh that's really nice but yeah as far as that's as far as way we go with setting now usually we have we have multiple setters and we try to dot our coaching staff obviously if we only have two we'll be opposites of each other and then whenever we're in zone three or sorry zone five usually we'll have our right front set
1: oh yeah because entering in from there would be pretty tough
2: yeah It's not. It's not impossible. It's exhausting because I did it for years. But it's rough because it's harder. It's harder to run a middle, a middle attack out of that. Out of that, just because of transitioning completely across the court, unless you pass to the left side, unless you pass to in between. What is it? Zone um, three and four. Yeah, which we've done as well.
1: I feel like that would work pretty well, right, if you have a team of
2: righties. Yes, it does. Um, the other thing we do, uh, the other, there's there's a lot. There's so many options of running the setting position because it all depends on the pass. It depends on, well, with us, how you want to set your blockers to serve receive because just a funnel. I mean, you're going to funnel to certain players, both on offense and on defense. But you want to funnel it to... Your libero your stronger passers something of that nature
1: and yeah the blocking while serving is a that changes a lot yeah because now you're double funneling like you're not only funneling as an attacker or like a blocking an attacker but you're also funneling as a blocker for your
2: receivers Mm -hmm. that's what yeah so and I mean, it happens with it happens with all games when you get guys that'll block and then they'll reach outside the plane of their body and just banks off of them. But with sitting, because you're already so low to the floor, even if you get those little deflections, I mean, they're really hard to recover sometimes. Mm-hmm. Because the ball's coming at you 40, 50 miles an hour already. And then it looks like it's coming right to you. So you pick your hands up off the floor, go to pass it, the blocker reaches outside his plane, dink, and you're like, "Oh no!" Trying to save that ball, <laughs> launching your body in a direction that is most likely going to hurt.
0: And you you talked about the qualifying process a little bit, but during the Olympics, are mm-hmm. you guys competing at the same exact time of indoor and beach volleyball, or is it before or after?
2: It's after. Okay. So the par- so the Olympics happen, and then two weeks. I believe it's two weeks after the Olympics, everything changes over and the Paralympics start.
1: Can you walk us through, because I'm really curious about this process for you, because I feel like the way that you deal with failure is really healthy. So going into your first run at an Olympics, because you're in 0- 06, so you're qual- you're trying to qualify for Beijing. You can still qualify, yeah. right? yeah. You have that 07 year where it's like your guys are equivalent to the World Cup. Yeah. How mm-hmm. close were you guys? Because you guys didn't go in 08, right? No. How close
2: were you? Well, uh, yeah. Spitting distance. Were and you one Yeah. <laughs> we were four points from qualifying. How t- We lost to Brazil in the Pan American Games. In the fifth set, 11 to 15.
1: Do you remember? I'm for sure you do. You remember, yes, I do. <laughs> you remember in the fifth set when you, you were like, holy shit, it's 14, 11? Like, so I don't the, think we're the, going.
2: The interesting, I don't ever think those words left my mouth mouth until we lost. We're not going. So it's one of those things, it's like, this is oh, yeah. It's like constipation. Yeah, we can do it. We can do it. Let's go! Uh, But um, so what's interesting about that one? It doesn't resonate as much with me because I didn't play a point.
1: Okay.
2: Because I was still I was still super green, super fresh to the court, learning. I played a couple of matches against some other games that we we locked them up early, and you know you start getting just get players in, cool so i was in that boat so i remember the match and it doesn't resonate as hard with me as london we didn't go to london we lost to brazil in the fourth set yeah yeah lost to brazil in the fourth set that one resonated a little bit harder
1: where were you guys
2: What tournament was it? Same tournament? Pan American Games, yeah. I'm looking back because the names. I don't know if you can see those. Four silver medals.
0: <laughs>
2: those are all silver from the Pan American Games. Guess who got gold? Brazil. Brazil. Yes. We're pretty good. Yeah, so uh, 07, we played in Rio for the Pan American Games. Uh, 07, 2011 was Guadalajara. 2015 was Toronto yes sir and then this this last one was Lima Peru so yes silver in that one yeah yeah and you talk about motivation so there's a little poster there's a little plaque it's hanging right beside the silver medals it says play like you're in first train like you're in second
1: That'll get yeah. you fired up. <laughs>
2: yeah. So it's, um, it's one of those things, you know. It's the, uh, it's the frustrations.
0: So what makes Brazil, they sound like a, traditionally one of the better countries um, in sitting, what makes them special? What makes them different from other programs?
2: Uh, what makes them different? I mean, they're a very fiery team. They're just uh, just like you see them play standing. They're very, very emotional. They, they, have, they take that emotion and ride with it. If you can keep them back on their heels, like any team, then those emotions will play against them. But you have to get there. You have to get them back on their heels, which is hard. And it's, it's just our Achilles heel. I mean, we've we've beat them. We lost to them in Lima in four. The first set, we beat them. I think we beat them 25-12. But they recouped and then beat us.
0: Welcome us.
2: Yeah, so we won the battle. They won the war.
0: Okay.
2: Yeah, they're a very good team. Um, good group of guys. I mean, they get hot. They get hot like any team. There's... Nothing overly special, they don't have the x factor like the gentleman from iran they used they used to have two players that were over seven foot they uh well the one guy he didn't have a volleyball background that I know of, but the other guy, his name is Freddie he is i think he has four a v p titles mm-hmm. and he got classed out because of his knees wow yeah he got classed out of sitting volleyball so but he was i think he was six nine six nine so six ten something like that then they had another guy that was seven one seven two anderson
1: have you talked to any of them about like their culture in brazil and like Not their culture, like as Brazilians, but their culture in their gym and what they're like striving to do and like their ideology and where they go and how they're they're practicing or anything like that. Like getting ideas or brainstorming from them at all?
2: They have. So I actually went down to South America last year. I went down to Brazil and uh, one of the coaches recruited me to play on one of their club teams. And that's also another thing right there. They have club teams. Yeah. So they um, – I follow a couple of them, and I talk to a couple of them, and they're currently playing tournaments. They're playing club tournaments, and they're doing things. And the two teams that are winning their tournaments, their club tournaments, consist primarily of uh, all of the – most of, if not all, of their national team. So they're getting their reps in. They're getting their touches. And I – even if I were to talk to them about their – gym work gym ethic different things of that nature I really don't think they're going to divulge that information to me well so it's one of those things like doesn't hurt to ask
1: yeah for sure it's like yeah it's pretty surprising what people tell you because they're like it's our thing like you can't really take it it's just us you know really yeah but, yeah i was just curious because yeah i mean like every you hear about like all these great teams. Right. And like, they all have like one little niche that makes them unique. Right. At the end of the day, there's no magic. They just win and they just work hard and they're invested at the Mm -hmm. quality of the time and reps that
2: they spend. And that's it. Yeah. It'd be interesting. It'd be interesting to sit down to talk to them and be like, Hey, what's going on? You know, just to see how, how they recover, how they recoup and, keep driving forward but they seem they seem a ve- the team that's that team that is their team now a majority a majority of their team was around in 07 okay so they've been around for a while we've okay. had uh we've cycled a lot of players since then
1: okay okay and so going back in time too you guys went to rio
0: yeah Super cool.
1: What was what's What? How did you guys qualify for that
2: World Cup? No, exactly. so host nation gets it, right? Yeah. Uh, so even though
1: sick. there you go, Brazil's, Brazil's out.
2: Brazil's out. We lost <laughs> them in the finals, but we made it to the finals, and there was nobody else to play there but you go. Brazil. So we're like, Ugh. Uh-huh. we were hoping. We were kind of hope We were also hoping that Brazil wasn't going to sandbag because. Brazil could have sandbagged and met us in the semifinals.
0: Yeah, oh, that
2: would be. They could have, but they didn't. So we're like,
0: yes, sure. <laughs> walking into the finals with a bid.
2: Yeah, that's what we we're like. That's great. We lost them in four, but we were in. We made it. We're like, yes, going to the big show.
1: Oh man, how pumped were you? Like, to oh, like you going to an Olympics?
2: I was stoked. I mean, I could have. At the time, I could only. Hop around. I would have freaking if I had my leg on. I'd have just ran around the court, just screaming, <laughs> going crazy. Oh, it was great. It was great. Yeah, I set a. Uh, I remember it too. I set a three. I said a. I set a three for the final point, and my middle told the block. So I was super stoked about that.
1: It's so sweet. Yeah, going to an Olympics like oh it's like the first sorry you walk you get off the plane you're walking out and you're like what's what are you thinking when you land
2: you're i mean you're happy so it's (laughs) it's a culminating thing it's a client like giant climb because you first get off the plane you get on the plane you're like okay cool you're excited but you're like all right it's another trip it's gonna be how many hours till we get there all right cool i'm gonna watch a movie go to sleep get off the plane you're like cool yes we're here all right I'm stoked all right then you then you walk into the village and you're like whoa it's like start being starstruck because we use the same facilities yeah it's two weeks later but we still use the same facilities and the same court as I say everything same dorms as all the standing people as all the regular olympics so you walk into the you walk into the olympic village and it's you're, you're just like oh starstruck cool that dies down after a couple of never so <laughs> then you get to your venue when you get to your venue it's one of those ones like cool got my phone you just put it you might as well just put it on burst because you're snapping pictures everywhere you're doing 360s selfies ah pictures with friends you're taking pictures of the freaking ball and it's just a volleyball but you're taking pictures of you like oh so cool it's cool then you practice and you play and then your first game first game just get the fans, because obviously with uh, obviously with sitting volleyball, we're not pulling the big crowds. We're not pulling thousands of people. We're pulling like thirty we're pulling like 30 40 people and usually it's families of the other team because we don't ho- we don't host any tournaments in our major okay. tournaments in our country so we can't get family there <laughs> so we'll have like three Americans in the crowd and it's, it's USA volleyball staff it's like yeah hi <laughs> <laughs> so but then, like with Rio you go there people speak english you can you get that crowd going on your side it's like it's remarkable i mean it's great you get them all turn around and you start pumping them up, getting them crazy, and then you actually get the get the feedback from them, and it's a, such a – it's a remarkable high. I mean, you just float on cloud nine the entire game. You're like, wait, I'm actually playing volleyball in front of people, and they're watching. They care about me playing. <laughs> like,
0: ah, it's great.
2: How uh,
1: – I feel like the first is like – we talked to Courtney Thompson about this, actually, and she was saying yeah. that the first time they played a Final Four – they were kind of like you going into your first Olympics. Yeah. Like, man, we're here. This is awesome. (laughs) This is going to be so sick, you know? And she's like, and we were never like that before any other tournament. And then all of a sudden we were in the final four and everything changed. And so like you or like her, do you think if you go to another Olympics, the way that you're going to walk in is going to be significantly different of like, I've been here, I've done this. Now I want a medal.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah your are metal hunger focus is
1: going to change significantly going into the next one
2: yeah uh, you still be a little starstruck but you know what to, you're knowing what to expect yeah you're knowing what's going to happen you've been down that road now playing for a medal will be different uh, i don't know how i'll feel i don't i don't even know I'll be I'll probably take like four jerseys. I'll sweat through them I'll just to get into the game., <laughs> like, oh my gosh, but yeah, definitely when it comes down to that down those lines, experience pays off. Yeah. You can monitor your heart rate, keep yourself a little bit calmer, a little bit cooler. You know what's going to happen. you know how to how to react when things get tight, things get tough. so and you can only replicate you can try and replicate as much of that in the practice gym as possible and put the pressure upon yourself. But until you're in, I feel like until you're in that situation, there's nothing else like it. So we talk about. Your gym does
1: a good job of applying that pressure. And like, do you guys have that culture already embedded?
2: We're working towards it. Yeah, we're working towards it. Um, We can, each year we're taking bigger steps towards developing the, like I said, well, like we stated previously, none of us are, vo- there's only one of us that are volleyball players previously. So we're working each year, we're working more and more towards that type of volleyball culture and volleyball, I guess you say the pressure of being in the big play matches and striving to get hungry every time you're on the court
0: some lessons from the military that have helped you in sport
2: never stop never stop driving I mean my wife knows I'm stubborn and I bless her heart for staying with me <laughs> she's right there <laughs> <laughs> um yeah I I'm stubborn and I my players my teammates and my coaching staff and my wife will vouch that I'll completely destroy myself. (laughs) She's laughing. (laughs) Um, I'll completely run myself into the ground and destroy myself for for what I believe in. But you got to prove to me that you're going to do it too. And I'll work hard for you. So I've told my coaching staff, I said, look, coach, I'm in the middle. I'll run myself into the ground for you and for the guys. But I need to know that they're going to work as hard as they can. To whatever standard they put themselves at they got to step they got to be there too so i mean i've had uh so uh, shoulder surgery was when honey was that 17. so 2017 i had uh for instance i had sur- i had shoulder surgery i had uh two labral tears and they had when the surgeon got in there he saw my bicep tendon was frayed and bust it up. So we had, he had to cut and relocate my bicep tendon as well. So that, yeah, that was fun recovery. But like I said, you gotta do what you gotta do. And had that surgery, recovered, was in the gym, had one of those big freaking braces on. Yeah, I can't lift upper body, but I could do legs. I'm in there, get on the leg press, start pressing, doing what I can. So do, it's crazy too. If I don't know if you guys have had shoulder surgery, but Like, you just move a little bit and it hurts. Like, I couldn't do anything with my left arm, even though my right arm was the one I had shoulder surgery because it just would all resonate, like, directly to that spot. So, yeah, just always, the light is small at the end of the tunnel, no matter what we talked about, like, the Matthew McConaughey speech a a little while ago. The light is small at the end of the tunnel. You can keep running for it, but never stop. You might never reach it but it's there yeah. and you have to keep going forward because if you're not going forward, then you're going backwards.
1: How do you, I feel like this is a great culture, by the way, of what you're embodying, what you represent. Thank you. How do you, obviously you personify it, but like how do you get this into the minds of your colleagues? Even if it's like players, staff, manager, like, everybody involved in what you guys are doing how do you present this and push this same culture on them?
2: Is lead it- by example lead by example. I mean that's the best way to do it. I mean I have my faults and I accept those faults. I'm not one to say no that wasn't me no, I didn't do this I didn't do this over the weekend if somebody asked me yeah hey this is what I do I have my faults but at the same time, Your value, what you value and what you value your beliefs and how hard are you willing to work for those? Even if you have your faults over here, it's a, it's a balanced system. You can have them and you have to accept them and you have to understand them. But at the same time, you have to put your wants, your wants, your needs, and your drive has to be stronger than your faults. So lead by example, i do my best to hustle as much as I can, obviously without injuring myself or one of my colleagues, strive to be better. Uh, I am a very emotional person, a very, very emotional person. And I, my team knows that, I'm always loud on the court. I yell, but I tell people, look, I'm not yelling at you. I'm not trying to demean you, I'm not trying to put you down. I just am loud it's just how i verbally communicate especially when i get excited yes. especially i get so loud i'm the first one we score points i'm turning around screaming yelling it getting getting going trying to fire people up and then during the play i do my best i breathe calm down focus after the play scream holler get crazy focus uh, do you
1: uh this is a discussion that I've had with multiple people because in volleyball it's pretty tough. In basketball it's you hear it's more often, but do you just crush people every once in a while and like put them back in their place to keep the standard where the standard's supposed to be? Sometimes. You mean like teammates or other teams? No, no, teammates, teammates. Just this is just in practice. I, I mean I don't I doubt that you would just crush anybody on you know, um
2: that. as far as yeah you
1: <laughs> like this is my standard and like right now you're here and I need you here. So, like, yeah, I'm we, to I, yeah, you to try it, it. But, like, I need to.
2: Yeah. You do it as respectful as possible. Obviously you, yeah. uh, I mean, like I said, I, my, so I play volleyball with my wife as well and she gets on me for this as well. A pass, a ball and I will yell like, just go, 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 or go get like, Kim, 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 get it, get it, get it. And I'm like, and she's like, you have to stop yelling at me. I'm like, I'm not yelling. I was like, I'm just trying to encourage you. Go for the ball. It's right there. You got it. She's like, I got it. I'm like, okay. And I, I do the same. Uh, it's like, I'll cheer and clap for people and get people going. Um, like I said, we're all adults. And I'm as well with you. Like you play. Nobody's a kid anymore. So yeah. you have to meet the meet the person where they're at. And be respect. If you want respect, you have to give respect. So Mm -hmm. respect them, and I. It's hard sometimes to trust that they're given as much effort as they can. When perception is reality, that's the hard thing. So if I, you, if you as an athlete don't perceive or don't see them giving effort, then how? yeah it's like all right cool let's give them the respect they're trying how hard are they trying let's go come on try to pump them up get them going but if you're not gonna hustle then how can you expect them to hustle yeah
0: not that your career is close to being over but you sound like a coach in the future
2: oh don't say that (laughs) (laughs) i uh oh i have coached and it is a very um a
1: game of patience my
2: friend yes it is <laughs> it is a game of patience i want i would assistant coach okay i would assistant coach because one thing i've talked about even with my wife she's like why don't you just coach the team when you're done i'm like no i don't want to deal with that many adult personalities that's a lot to deal with I'm not ready for that but um in the future granted like you said when my when my career comes to an end I don't plan on leaving sit in volleyball I plan on hanging around I plan on being a leech and just pump giving all my knowledge to future players and trying to force them to be better force them to be what I know they can be not what they know they can be because they don't New players don't know shit, but when they come in, you can make them be better and force them to be what you as a, well, me as an, a seasoned athlete. And at that time, a retired athlete knows they can be problem is you gotta, like we talked about, you have to figure out where they're at and figure out how to push them because what yelling and getting on my case works for me. I mean, you could straight Bobby Knight me and throw a chair at me and I'll be like, cool. But it's not might not work for the next person. It's the next person, especially especially with new generation to generation is the best way to put that. Some generations are softer than others. (laughs) My my generation is a lot softer than my grandfather's generation.
1: That's something so. that we've discussed a lot on this podcast whenever stutters come on. is like, how do you treat individuals? Because each individual is so different, right? Like, yeah. guy, oh, yeah. like you know, Bobby Knight, them, or like, you shisheski <laughs> like, them, and they're like, yep. okay, you know. And other guys, like, you got to hug, you got to cry with them, you got to pat them on the back. Like, yeah, I got players.
2: I got players oh, wow, that, cool, you know, yeah, my other middle, my other middle, he's my best friend. and our coaching staff has got onto us because they're like, you guys are too much right now. You're stressing us out. Like we're ripping each other a new one on the court and we are exactly the same. Everybody
1: else uncomfortable.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, well, like you said earlier, it was like, yeah, Hey, you need to put that away. Stop sucking. Let's go. Yeah. And then he'll yell at me, like, you need to set the ball better. I was like, I put it right at your shoulder. What do you, what else you want me to do? I got you a hole. You sailed at 40 feet out of bounds. Stop sucking.
1: Yeah, <laughs> It's fair. And like, uh, it's funny. Cause at least you get to play with Americans, you know, like, <laughs> like you start dealing with different cultures. Right. And then it's like, you have a, if you have a language barrier, plus you're, you have like six different countries on one team, then everybody's <laughs> plus their personality. Mm-hmm. Right. So like, For example, if you had two Bosnian guys walk in, they would destroy everybody on your team. Everybody. They would just be interesting. They just rip everybody. Because that's just how they talk to each other, you know? And you guys would love it. You'd be like, yes, these guys are great. They totally get it. They understand our mindset. And the other the other eight guys would be like, I don't think
2: I want to come to practice tomorrow. (laughs) So yeah, well yeah, I mean I've been in that situation one time for for a tournament, like I said, when I went down to South America, they're all speaking Portuguese. And I actually had a talk the one time during a match. I was like, Coach, you gotta translate. So we had a timeout. Co- I was like, Coach, he spoke the two coaches spoke English. I was like, you translate for me. And I just spouted off basically, told him, Step up, get out of your head, let's go. And I mean, said it in a few other words. I got my kids over here. Had a few other adult words in there, but (laughs) basically, come on. They probably loved
1: it. Because in Brazil, they're like, they're all for it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're like, they're a passionate culture.
2: Yep. So, but that was, uh, that was fun. I was really hoping. I I got invited back, but then COVID happened. And I'm not going.
0: How can we, as volleyball fans, follow the U.S. team?
2: Uh, So we have, so the US team, we have a Facebook page, we have an Instagram page, and then a vast majority, if not all of us have some sort of social media. The best way to find any player, your favorite player, me, um, anybody is a lot, all of our links, I believe are in with, is it uh, usavolleyball.org or .com? I forget. Org. Org. Yeah. So usavolleyball.org. And you can go there and you'll find, go under athletes and sitting athletes, or just like I said, go into Facebook and Instagram and just type in uh, U.S. men's sitting volleyball and something, something to that nature should come up.
0: Yeah. And do you guys have a lot of matches on YouTube or anything, any kind of,
2: we have, we have some, I've currently talked to, because I've done a few zoom calls or something of that nature, with, uh, I did one with the Great Plains region. I had players come on, and I had comments come up and say, "Hey, where's where's your matches? What can we do? How can we find them?" And we're working on getting more, more matches that have passed. So not in the current quads. <clears throat> sure. I post them on, post them on YouTube, or we do on Instagram. I know our coach does does some film, does a little bit from the current current training camps, current practices will be posted up on there as well.
1: Could you send me a link after this is done to one of your matches so I can attach it to this podcast?
2: Yeah, 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 totally.
1: And then some people can watch and have an idea of what sitting volleyball is.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And then, like I said, if there's any questions, the best thing, the best thing to do is to watch the matches because it'll answer so many more questions than, than a full, di- well, full discussion works but when you see it as somebody that's never seen it before you're like oh because everybody always asks uh, what well, popular questions oh so you play sitting volleyball what kind of wheelchair do you use no we sit our butts on the ground they're like how do you move or do you just fall over no think of crab walking is the best way to think about it that's how that's how we move and crab walk and obviously sitting you move scoot around And when we hit, we rock up on one butt cheek because technically your butt's still on the ground, and you rock up on one to get your shoulder in a higher position, so you're technically higher, as high as you can't legally can be. But like I said, not cheating, not trying. So,
1: well, James, I think we're good here.
2: Perfect. It was great.
0: Thank
1: you so much for coming on. That's (laughs) that's
2: awesome, man. Thanks for the invite. I really, I thoroughly enjoyed it yeah I'm, I'm glad dude i
1: i hope like us all of these other viewers and listeners will have a little bit better knowledge of para volley
2: yeah that'll be great Or no, some,
0: some knowledge
2: or some knowledge yeah. if there's any questions yeah feel free to hit me up on mine my james stuff
0: i'm looking forward to watching so i can like use it like yeah. learn, from, learn from sitting to help with our freaking volleyball
2: well that's a nice thing that's actually what made me a made me actually be able to play standing. So I got rated, I got rated as a, uh, a B double B, but I've competed in, I've competed in, uh, a, I've get smoked playing double a, but I've played, but, um, I've the uh, only thing that makes me decent in that is the fact that, so with sitting volleyball, the game is so fast. It's a different type of fast because you have to move with your hands and then you put, have to put yourself in the right position and get an early enough read to be like, Oh, the ball is going to go here. So move with your hands and then you play with your hands. Yeah. So w- with standing, you can read it a lot faster and you see what's gonna happen a lot faster and you just put yourself there. Uh, as a, uh, I mean, especially as a blocker, because like I said, you gotta move with your hands and then your hands have to go from the floor to up and over the net. Yeah. That makes sense. I
1: have never really, I don't have that perspective. So obviously I've never had that perspective before, but now thinking about it, I'm like, that makes a lot of sense.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and yeah. And then with, and I've had, so I've coached girls as well and you put them on the floor, just get them to pepper and it's fun to watch, but when they start to understand it and they start to get it, then they go to standing and they're like, Oh, this is so slow. I'm like, it's a different game. It's it's a different type of game as it is the same game. You just see the game from a different from a different level now. You see the game as a much faster game than it can be. Yeah. As it yeah. So so I mean the best thing I would tell viewers, yourselves, get sit down, find a wall, a concrete wall, take a volleyball, sit and serve it at the wall. Sit, only sit like six feet away six, eight feet away, serve it, and then pass it. Just serve it off, right off the wall, pass it straight up, and catch it. And then they'll give you an idea of how fast this ball can move. So obviously, faster you hit it, faster it's coming right back at you. Yep. And then you really wanna challenge yourself, serve it, put your hands on the floor, and then pick them up and pass it. They I'm going a- tomorrow give you a concept of moving
0: next
1: time i'm in the gym i'm doing it i'm gonna gonna sit there and all my teammates are like what the hell are you doing
2: man like you guys gotta try this (laughs) oh oh, and a, a good one is even if you just have a yeah take your teammates take take your teammates of any level of any level sit say 10 feet apart from each other have one person have their hands on the floor and the other person not really hard but just serve a floater solid floater right at their face yeah (laughs) solid or right their face and just get them from the floor straight up pass it and once you start getting good at that then just hit it like just right off their shoulder make a move get the ball midline pass it straight up and you'll be you'll be amazed that when you go to play standing you'll be like oh okay a little different yeah it's gonna be and our game is played primarily like i think 80 percent hands 20 percent forearms i would love that Yeah, yeah. I take the ball. I take the ball with my hands so much. Standing, they're like, "How do you do that? What do you do?" I'm like, "I just, that's what I do."
1: I don't know what else to do here.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I don't really dig swings with my forearms. I'll just straight dig them with my hands and just
0: boop. Yeah, I mean that's just how you track the game now, too. Yeah,
2: you put yourself in position to take the ball from midline or from uh, chest level up. Put yourself to play shorter so <laughs> yeah right,
0: well thanks a ton man it was great to meet you
2: not a problem it's great to meet you too thank you matt so much
1: of course man we're gonna have
2: you on again look Talk forward to it yeah buddy Ooh, that'll be fun <laughs> hopefully we can uh, hopefully we'll have a chat shortly here in a couple months right after my